I think it was just this time last week when we first started talking about a trucker convoy that was going to head across the country, ostensibly to protest a COVID-19 vaccine mandate that was now in, in effect on both sides of the border, both in Canada and the U.S. as of Saturday. Um and it seemed like a pretty straightforward affair, but it has been anything but, as evidenced by a GoFundMe page in support of the convoy that's attracted more than 63,000 donations. Last time I looked at it, it raised nearly $5 million in not that much time. And as the convoy rolled through Winnipeg today, there was an interview with one woman on hand to lend her support, and she explained why she was there this way. This isn't about vaccines. This is about freedom. This is about losing our rights taking things away from us, whether you're vaccinated or not, we're losing our country. So not really about truckers and COVID-19 vaccines at all, not really. So what's happening and why? No better person to explain this than David Tyndall. He's a sociology professor at the University of British Columbia and an expert on social movements and networks. Welcome to the show, David. Hi, I'm uh, glad to meet you. <laughs> How surprised have you been, given that you, you study, that you know this stuff, how, how surprised have you been about how quickly this has kind of changed into something different? Well, I'm not really that surprised. Um, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go in, that are involved in, in people getting, um, taking part in these types of things, but kind of more generally what we seem to have going on right now in in North America especially in the United States but increasingly in Canada is a kind of tribal politics and and in, in the tribal politics it's not necessarily just one particular issue like policing or vaccines or you know building a wall in mexico it, it's kind of like a package of of things and you know in this in this case it, it seems that um the this particular group of truckers are not necessarily representative of of all truckers uh in terms of their views or even their their vaccination status but they seem to have ties to people that have been involved in uh in politics especially around things like Western separatism, um, but, you know, kind of more generally uh, affinities on, on the right side of the, the political spectrum. And you, you saw that a little bit uh, on, on Twitter today with some politicians tweeting support, like Andrew Scheer, former leader of the Conservative Party, tweeted support for the truckers. So I think it's bound up with, you know, with, with left-right politics, a little bit of tribalism and, and some other sorts of things. What I find a bit surprising here, David, is we know that, you know, uh, we've, because we talked about this for two weeks with trucking associations and so far, that um, 90% or more or less of truckers are vaccinated. 90% of the population is vaccinated. So what I, what, I guess what's a bit surprising, who's the tribe? And, 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 and they, people seem to be really, I mean, $5 million in fundraising in a very short period of time, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So, well, so part of the tribe is um, a, a kind of libertarian ideology, which um, characterizes uh, a segment of uh, the right side of the political spectrum in, in Canada. It's not nearly as large as, as it is in the United States, but uh, a certain segment of supporters of the Conservative Party and pretty much everyone who supports uh, the People's Party uh, embrace uh, a libertarian ideology, which again has largely, in my opinion, 
migrated from the United States. And, um, you know, there's a significant number of, of, of people who support that point of view, no, nothing near a, a majority, but uh, still a significant uh, proportion of the, of the population. Um, the other thing I, I would say kind of related to this is, is with movements, um, it, you know, usually it's only a small percentage of, uh, of people who actually get very involved in things. So, so there's a classic study of the peace movement uh, in the Netherlands in the, in the 1980s and survey data showed that something like 80% of the, of the population supported the goals of the peace movement, but only about 5% got actively involved and you know this is kind of similar there's probably a lot bigger um group of people who who share the values uh, of, of these folks and and that's part of the reason why they're getting so many donations but you know probably relatively fewer people that are going to go out there and, and get involved in protests of one sort or another of course um the netherlands in the 80s didn't have social media where it seems so easy to jump on board with these things speaking of donald trump jr today posted something on social media supporting um supporting the, the convoy uh, referring to ottawa as the state capital anyway um where do you see this going i mean just from from a social movement perspective it seems to have galvanized a group of people uh they certainly have a right to express their opinion uh but where do you see this going now i know the convoy is headed towards ottawa you know do you see this picking up momentum is that is that the usual course of things uh well i guess i, I have a few a few thoughts on this i mean first of all i i, I think it depends on the extent to which uh the truckers have leverage of, of one sort or another and, and there it depends on whether um, politicians think that, you know, their decisions are going to make a difference one way or another. So at the moment, you know, I think probably the conservatives are, are the only party who, who might have some sympathies with, with some of the truckers. The other parties don't have very much sympathy. Um, there doesn't seem to be any risk of an election happening, even though there's a minority government right at the moment. So I'm not sure they have that much leverage with the government in a pure political sense. Um, one thing that could make a difference is if all of a sudden there were shortages um, in terms of critical supplies that seemed obviously linked to disruptions in shipping that had something to do with truckers. That might change public opinion and that might you know, in turn, change the the perspectives of you know perhaps the liberals and the NDP. But but short of that, I, I don't necessarily uh, see um, you know I see this just kind of petering out. But I would also say this this kind of goes in in waves. So back in in 2019, there was a, a similar type of convoy, but this was all in support of the of the pipelines out in the west here, the oil and gas pipelines, and and part of this is kind of a continual kind of Western-led um, opposition to the to the Trudeau liberal government. It just has taken some different forms. David Tyndall is a sociology professor at the University of British Columbia and an expert on social movements and networks. We've been talking about sort of all that's happened around this truck convoy heading, as it's heading east towards Ottawa over the course of, uh, since the weekend, but we started talking about it last week and just how it's morphed into uh, several different things in the past few days. Um, one of the things I found interesting was just the concerted, uh, sort of the concerted effort to oppose the messaging coming out of both the Conservative Party or certain members of the Conservative Party, um, as well as from the convoy itself. So it's very rare that you'd see the Trucking Alliance and federal politicians, ministers no less, release a joint statement. But we saw that today. So you can see that there's 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 sort of 
the, there's movements happening on both sides here, sort of moves and counter moves. And, and it is interesting to watch. What do you make of it? Well, it, you know, that is, that is quite interesting. And as you note, you know, several, several different parties have tried to disassociate themselves uh, from, from the truckers. I, I mean, I guess for the, for the government, there is this, this risk that this, uh, this grows. And, you know, if, as I mentioned, you know, if there's critical supply shortages and that, you know, there's also right now a, a problem of an inflation and so on, uh, if, if this can kind of be linked to, uh, to policy and, uh, people kind of shift opinion and, and embrace the truckers that could present a much bigger problem for them for, uh, you know, for the association, and I think they're partly concerned about, you know, issues around the image of the industry and workers in the industry and, and trying to resist uh, stigmatization of, of workers. So there's there's other kinds of considerations there. Um, one thing I, I would say that's a little bit similar is, you know, there's been these protests in, in the healthcare sector by nurses in some places. There's been some, it seems kind of a little bit paradoxical, but there's been some, some nurses that have been um, anti-vaccination uh, and, and anti-other other sorts of measures. And uh, in some situations, there's been such a shortage of, of nurses that uh, governments have had to cave and, and have had to had to give in because there just isn't enough people to fill those positions. And that's kind of one of the things that, that could kind of work in the other direction in this particular conflict. So far, the federal government here is certainly sticking to their guns on this vaccine mandate for truckers crossing the border. The Americans have passed it as well, so don't imagine they're going to back off on that. Uh, but you're right. If we uh, and that's another issue, we've seen pictures of empty shelves and fully stocked shelves flying around all week. Uh, that was going to be our last question to you. That that's also been an interesting phenomenon. All of a sudden, we're having grocery wars online. It's 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 it's. What do you make of that? Well, certainly it's getting a bit of coverage. Um, I, I mean, I can o only tell to a certain extent in the, in the areas that, that I live and, and, you know, it doesn't seem like, you know, there's obviously been shortages for certain types of things, like for instance, bicycles and cars and things like that. But uh, for the, for the most part, there hasn't been uh, critical shortages. I think that's really what the what what makes a would make a big difference here but this has been played up in in, in social media and, and again it's kind of tied in with you know kind of left right politics and and some of the the groups that are involved in in some of these kinds of conflicts in some cases kind of um exaggerating the the danger of shortages or e exaggerating you know the extent to which there's already been shortages of one sort or another Fascinating. Different ball, same ball game. Thanks so much, David Tyndall, sociology professor at the University of British Columbia and an expert on social movements and networks. Thanks for your time tonight. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.